Hello, welcome to the Lift Podcast. My name is Angela Withers. Today we're going to be talking about increasing in wisdom. We're talking about the stewardship that we have over our brain and our nervous system and what things we can do that are within our power to really take care of those systems of our body, that we can have a strong mind, a strong memory. In the Lift Library, you will find a document that you can print out this week that is titled Increase in Wisdom creating a healthy brain and memory. It's a combination of some of the research that has been done through science that has shown how to have a strong strong brain and a strong memory, but it also pulls in the scriptures and the promises that are made in the scriptures. And this is where I just, this is where my heart is. And my heart has been here for a long time. I still remember when my daughter, my second daughter was born and um, she wasn't very old. I mean, just like a few months old, but I remembered I had been, studying and studying and studying the scriptures and what it said in the scriptures about taking care of our our body at this point in time my daughter's this second daughter of mine is going to be 12 actually in just a few weeks and um at that point in time i was i was reading and i really felt like i was not following the instructions that god has had given us in the scriptures of how to take care of our body and I had such a desire to align my life with that and it actually took me quite a while and I will say that I feel like I'm still on that journey but I'm so much further than where I was and I'm so thankful that I started that journey 12 years ago but I know that it began with that little guidance from the light of Christ and from the Holy Ghost in my own heart letting me know that there was something that was off that I needed to fix and that this was a path that was going to really bless me if I went down this path. I want to I want to say real quick in here that um, this is in Doctrine and Covenants section 89, known as the Word of Wisdom, and this is in um, scripture that's believed by the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. God tells us right in here some very specific things that we can do to take care of our body, nourish our body, and really, as I talked about in in some of my other videos, it's an invitation for us to be not only a steward over our body, but a steward over the land and the creations of the land. So much of it is Him inviting us to live in harmony with the seasons. And there's not a specific thing that I can say about how to do this because someone who is living close to the equator is going to be in a completely different season and climate and what foods grow there versus where I live in Idaho that gets pretty cold in the winter. And in our blog, there will be a a blog post that will go along called Increase in Wisdom, where you will find links to the different foods that are available in different areas through the country. That's a thanks to my sister, Lauren. I'm going to send a shout out to her. She lives in Florida and, um, so she she shared with me some of these links where people can find out what's in season and it also shows you some local farmers that you can meet up with to go and pick some of the foods that they've been growing in season in different areas all around the country. I have loved learning some things from my sister as she's been in a different climate. Because so many of us live in different climates and what's in season is going to vary depending on where we live, um, we decided that we would pull out principles from Doctrine and Covenants section 89 rather than necessarily a list of what things to eat and what things not to eat. And um, so those are going to be the first three items that you'll find in this document that you'll print out from the Lift Library called Increasing Wisdom. And those top three, first three things are eat in harmony with the seasons, choose drinks that are not strong or hot, and use heavy meats only during cold seasons. 
when my daughter was young and I decided I, I really wasn't following that is that we were having meat year round in ma the majority of our meals. And um, as I started breeding the section DNC 89, I really felt like I needed to change that. And, um, and I actually got a lot of heat from, from different people who didn't think that was that was correct because I started asking, you know, I started asking my husband, started asking friends, started saying, you know, what do you think about this? Because this clearly states it in the scripture and, and we all profess to believe this, but we can go to um, a function even at the church in the middle of a really warm season and we can be eating a big barbecue beef sandwich or something. And that just seemed really strange to me that we were not, following what to me seemed very clearly stated in the scriptures. And so I did. I definitely had people who did not think I was correct in, in believing that, but it was all backed up by the word of the Lord, right, in scripture. So I just decided that for my own for my own self, I would start changing a little bit about the way that I ate meat. So I, I went from serving a portion of chicken with some pasta and a salad at dinner to maybe just making that pasta and taking one chicken breast and dicing it up and putting it over the pasta and the salad and feeding our whole family off of one chicken breast. Mind you, there was only four of us at that point, but and two of them were really small little children. <laughs> so I found that I could do far less meat if I just started using it a lot more sparingly. But over time, I started being able to get to the point where I actually didn't use any of the heavy meats during the cold seasons. I will clearly tell you that it is my interpretation personally about heavy meats and using that term heavy meats because the times and seasons that we can get fish so easily and readily, especially in our freshwater streams and ponds and lakes and rivers, are during the warmer, the warmer months when the water isn't even frozen. So I do use those things very much during the warmer months of the year, during the during the summer, during the spring, during the fall, we have a lot of fish in our diet. During the winter, we really don't have very much, but that is when we bring in the heavy meats. This is my own personal interpretation of how to use things in harmony with the seasons for the area that I live in. So I really encourage everyone to go to this section of scripture and read it and, um, and do some research about the area that you live in, what's available during what seasons, and come to know what is seasonal for you? What is seasonal for the place that God has placed you, where you live, and how you can eat in harmony with that? And it's going to look different, definitely, what I'm choosing versus what my sister in Florida is going to be choosing, and especially during different seasons of the year. Because my husband is a hunter, he had um, been asking me for multiple years if I would do hunter's head and if I would go hunting with him, and I wasn't really interested because I had been trying to learn how to eat less meat and and cook with less meat and give our my family the nourishment they still needed with without such a heavy reliance on meat during those warmer months and um so i so i was kind of in this mindset of no i want i don't want to be i don't want to be bringing in more meat and my husband had been asking me if i would go hunting with him and and take that hunter's head class. And finally, I kind of felt like, you know what, I probably should. I should probably have this skill and this understanding in case I needed it at some point in time. And so I decided to take the class and it was me and a whole group of these 12 year old boys. 
they took this class. So I go out hunting with my husband. I'm at that, that point, I had these two really little toddlers. My first two daughters were 14 months apart. And um, I remember just being really busy and really tired a lot of the time. And we were driving up in the mountains. And we actually had our two girls in the back seat of, of our pickup. And we're driving through the mountains. And I start falling asleep in my seat, in the passenger seat. And my husband says, stops all of a sudden. And he says, there's some right there. You need to jump out. You need to take the shot. So I jump out of our truck. I'm getting the gun ready and these deer are running away and I'm feeling frazzled inside. I'm not at this point of peace or serenity. So I'm in this frazzled state and I'm thinking, no, this just doesn't feel right. I don't feel at peace with this at all. And, and he said, you've got to take the shot right now. They're getting away. And I said, Brandon, they don't want to die. It's obvious. They don't want to die. Look at them. I'm not going to take that shot. And um, and I said, if I am going to shoot an animal today, it needs to just stand there calmly for me and give me plenty of time to make sure I'm at peace with this and to talk with God and make sure that my conscience feels good about that decision. And he said, that's not how hunting works. So we got back in the, in the truck. And now I am wide awake because I've had this feeling of anxiety shoot through me all of a sudden and I'm not kidding <laughs> my husband still thinks it's amazing but we turn around the very next corner and there's this beautiful doe and she's big and um, she's down at the bottom of this ravine and she's just standing there and so I had plenty of time to get out I mean it was probably probably 15 minutes that she stood there and I had plenty of time to get completely collected because I knew I did not want to just injure an animal. If I was going to take the shot, it had to do the job. And so I had plenty of time. I had that conversation with God and I had such a peace, peaceful feeling that that animal was delivered there specifically for the purpose for me to be able to use her meat to feed my family during these cold seasons. And so I took the shot and it was a wonderful shot. And she went right down. There was no suffering. It was such a blessing. But I tell you, and then it was so much work because she had kind of been at the bottom of a ravine and she was big. And so to get her up to the pickup took so much work. And I not, it was like within minutes of me taking that shot, this snowstorm, this blizzard just blew in out of nowhere. We have our kids in the back of the truck, in the back seat of the truck, and they're watching a video. Thank goodness that we had video or something to keep them keep them entertained. And we're at the bottom of the ravine. We can see the truck up at the top of the ravine and we're trying to get this deer to our to our truck. But um, I tell you that experience was such a good experience for me. And we came home and we processed the meat all of our, all ourselves. And I had never had meat before that I was so grateful for. And I suddenly had a new understanding of of um, the verses that are in Doctrine and Covenants section 89, it says in verse 12, Yea, also flesh, also of beasts, and of the fowls of, of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly, and it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or of famine. I had never had such feelings of thanksgiving as I did that day because I knew that that doe was willing to give her life. I knew that she was willing um, 
to have that be the measure of creation that she fulfilled for me to have a testimony, a complete testimony of the creations that God put on the earth for us to use, to use them in the correct order, in the correct seasons, and to use them with gratitude. And when we are using them in the correct seasons, we will have so much gratitude. Um, and trust me, I had never gone through a drive through or gone to a barbecue where I had eaten a, a barbecue beef sandwich or a sloppy joe or a hamburger or anything where I don't even think I even thought twice about um, the animal whose life was sacrificed for me to have that. But I tell you, I sure did when it was that dough and I had that experience. And I kept thinking as well, just with that snowstorm coming in um, and it suddenly being such a sacrifice to be able to actually even harvest the meat. With that snowstorm coming in, I couldn't help but think of the story of Ephraim Hanks who went out to rescue this group of immigrants who had immigrated to the United States and had come with handcarts as pioneers across the plains of the United States and got stuck in a very terrible snowstorm. And as he was on his way to go to rescue them, he said a prayer and asked God that he could be able to take them meat and immediately a buffalo was right there. He was able to take the shot, harvest the meat, pack up its saddlebags and to be able to take that meat in and then not only one but a second buffalo was there and he was able to get all the meat off that and take it into these starving freezing stranded saints who were trying to make it across the plains and from that experience i came away with this firm testimony that if we have righteous stewardship over the creations of the earth the animals the plants the very things that we need in the very hour that we need them will be given to us. We know before the second coming of our Savior that there's going to be a lot of very difficult times that we will have to pass through. And what a huge blessing that we have a millennial world that we can look forward to and the return of our Savior. But what a huge blessing, too, if we're learning now how to be stewards over the earth and stewards over the creations of the earth over the plants, understanding their seasons, living in harmony with that. What a blessing that we can ask Heavenly Father for those things to be given to us during those times of need. Continuing on in Doctrine and Covenants section 89, this is verses 18 through 21. These are now the promised blessings that are associated with following these principles that we've been talking about that the Lord lined out for us to follow in, in this section. And starting in verse 18, it says, and all saints who remember to keep and do these sayings, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navel and marrow to their bones. The navel area is our stomach area. 80% of our U.S. population right now suffer from stomach pain on a regular basis. So we are definitely not receiving health in our navel, but I can tell you by the, by the amount of meat that's available, all through the warm seasons, those heavy meats, we really haven't been living in harmony with this. And then the next promised blessing in that verse was marrow to their bones. And if you think about, about um, it's not just our physiology, it is in the bone marrow where the majority of our white blood cells are created. And those white blood cells have the specific responsibility to be our immune system. To protect us. If we have been struggling with low immunity, it's a good time to stop and evaluate 
have we been living these principles, this instruction to receive this blessing of that marrow in our bones and health in our navel? And then in verse 19, it continues to say that those who have followed these things shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures. That's pretty incredible. There's these blessings of wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, a strong mind, and even hidden treasures. So apparently there's an ability, if we've been living in harmony with these, there's an ability to have even great treasures of knowledge come to us and be taught to us and for us to understand them. Verse 20, and shall run and not be weary and shall walk and not faint. Verse 21 goes on to say, and I, the Lord, give unto them a promise that the destroying angel shall pass by them as the children of Israel and not slay them. So this is really incredible to think about, is that if we are living these principles that are laid out in Doctrine and Covenants section 89, being righteous stewards over our body, righteous stewards over the earth, we can have a promised blessing that the destroying angel will pass by us, just as the destroying angel passed by the children of Israel who were obedient to the instructions that the Lord gave them. And this is in um, Doctrine and Covenants section 86, verse 5 says, Behold, verily I say unto you, the angels are crying unto the Lord day and night, who are ready and waiting to be sent forth to reap down the fields. But the Lord saith unto them, Pluck not up the tares while the blade is yet tender, for verily your faith is weak, lest you destroy the wheat also. Therefore let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest is fully ripe. Then ye shall first gather out the wheat from among the tares, and after the gathering of the wheat, behold and lo, the tares are bound in bundles, and the field remaineth to be burned. I want to testify that God is calling to us to remove ourselves from some of the traditions that we have had that have stopped us or hindered us from living in harmony with the principles that he's given us. Not only in Latter-day Scripture can we learn these things, but in the Old Testament, we have the whole story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And um, this is one of my favorite stories. They have been some of my heroes for so long. And I actually wanted to, to read a lot of their story. And um, I'm going to start in Daniel chapter 1, starting with verse... Um, well, let me let me get you, give you a background real quick. So the Babylonians come into Jerusalem, wipe it out. They steal things. They kill people. They take prisoners. And um, they carry away some of the children. And they were specifically told that they were supposed to um, choose... I think this was after they had brought them in, it sounds like anyway from the scripture, after they had brought them back into the land of Babylon. They were supposed to go through and find children in whom was no blemish, that were well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, in cunning and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And so Daniel um, is chosen, and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and these are all children who grew up Israelites. They grew up being taught the law of Moses, and they grew up being taught to eat in harmony with that. And in our day and age, we have been given not necessarily the law of Moses, but we've been given the word of wisdom. And we get to choose if we want to live in harmony with that or not. 
But it goes on to say that the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. So he gives Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, Hananiah, he um, calls him Shadrach, Mishael becomes Meshach, and Azariah becomes Abednego. And um, Daniel, it says verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a conscious, intentional decision, and it says that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Now, I'm not saying that I don't even know how the king's meat was prepared, but I am wondering if, obviously, it wasn't in harmony with the law of Moses. But in our day and age, there are times that we can defile ourselves with meat if we're not eating them in harmony with the way that God has told us. And then it says that, nor with the wine which he drank. So he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So they look better, but what's interesting, and so he continued to feed them the way that they were asking. But then let's go on to in verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Those are some very profound blessings that are go right along with the blessings that were promised in Doctrine and Covenants section 89, the Word of Wisdom. Verse 18, Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So there were definite blessings that came, not only from what food they were choosing to consume, but definitely for the obedience that they were showing and that they were choosing. So I want to go back to verse 8. This is really important um, really important principles to be teaching here. It says in verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. So one thing that is so important is that we make the decision for ourselves. We decide for ourselves, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to live, and this is what I'm going to eat, and um, I'm going to live in harmony with this. That has to be our decision. If we are doing it because it's placed before us, we will not get the promised blessings like we will 
and we will get some blessings for sure, but we will not get the promised blessings that come, those spiritual blessings that come from choosing for ourselves to be obedient. So we can either intentionally choose a path and follow that path, knowing why we're choosing it, or we can be acted upon and just coast along with the traditions of the society around us, eating the same things, doing the same things, not necessarily making a conscious decision to evaluate, is this really what I want? Is this really going to lead me in the right direction to what I really desire as an outcome? Or will just be acted upon and continue to go along with the traditions of the society around us? And that's what Daniel could have chosen. He could have chosen for himself to choose and act like he did, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. And so he went and acted on that, and he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And he asked him specifically what he would ask to have him bring to him to be able to eat and drink. So he decided, and then he went out and acted and put, and put that decision into action. And um, versus if he had just been acted upon, oh, you know, if he had that attitude, and he could have easily had that attitude, I've been kidnapped, I've been thrown into this society, and I'm, they're living standards that I don't even agree with, I can't, don't even understand the language, he's in this whole different area, and he's being, having this food brought to him, he could have just gone right along with that new society and the traditions of that society, but I think it's really neat that he made a decision for himself. So he chose to act rather than be acted upon. And let's fast forward into their lives. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If we look if we look forward in the scriptures to what happened with them, they had incredible miracles come, and God gave them incredible abilities and worked through them to be able to bless the lives of many people. And and it's amazing to me that Daniel, here, here he is, he's able to save all of these wise men. The king wanted to kill all of his wise men, but Daniel was given the power to not only interpret the king's dream, but know what the king's dream was, because the king had com- couldn't even remember what his dream was. And Daniel's given that ability, and then Daniel's able to go into a lion's den and not be hurt at all, and an angel comes and protects him in there. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into this fiery furnace because they won't kneel down and worship a false idol. And there's someone in there with them that looks like the Lord, and they're protecting them with them. They're completely they're completely fine. They're completely safe in there. When even the very servants who threw them in died from heat exposure just being near the furnace. I just, I think it's incredible that there were all of these blessings that came. And um, yet when we go back in history, we see just as children, they're making this decision, such a small decision to be obedient. And then they pay the price to be obedient to that instruction from God. And it makes perfect sense why they receive those blessings at a young age and why they continue to receive these blessings as they get older. Continuing on with our Increase in Wisdom handout from the Lift Library, um, number four talks about avoiding neurotoxins, glyphosate, endocrine disruptors, genetically modified organisms as much as possible. Aspartame has been linked to diabetes, migraines, kidney failure, seizures, blindness, obesity, neurological disorders, mental illness, and brain tumors. Another neurotoxin is monosodium glutamate. It's also known as MSG. It's really common in like savory 
foods, usually like snack type foods is where you'll find it, savory type salty snack foods. We like to hike and backpack. Sometimes my husband will get those backpacking meals that are that you can just rehydrate with water and those usually have MSG in them, so read your labels well. MSG has been linked to brain disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's disease, and um, there's also evidence that it causes brain swelling and death. So that's probably something to stay away from and avoid. Sucralose, also known as Splenda, it's an artificial sweetener. This is another neurotoxin. This is crazy to me, but it was accidentally discovered while doing research to create a new insecticide. I'm, I'm, I just think, why? They, who's the person that is trying to create these new insecticides to kill bugs and decides to just taste this and see if it's sweet? But I don't know. I don't know who had the thought to do that. Or is there a way that you can be testing something without tasting it to know that it's sweet? I'm not sure. But either way, they found out that it was sweet and decided this would be a good thing to put in all of our sugar-free drinks. And you wouldn't get the calories, but you're going to have a lot of other problems because sucralose actually does a terrible number on your digestive tract, which is a lot of the reason, too, why it affects your brain and your mind so much. Sucralose will lead to leaky gut. It wipes out that microvilli that's in your digestive tract. And once you have that, that leaky gut, your brain and your nervous system are completely impacted. And some people have said that sucralose, the effects of sucralose on your digestive tract are very similar to having a round of antibiotics. So if you're drinking sugar-free drinks or diet drinks that have sucralose in it, or even, um, I can't remember if they are using sucralose in some of the yogurts now too. You'll need to look at that. But um, read your labels because they say that having sucralose is like taking a round of antibiotics. It will wipe out that microvilli. And I want to make sure that that we understand that antibiotics can be such a blessing and can be huge, huge blessing and lifesaver when we really need them. So don't be afraid to take antibiotics when you need to, but know how to heal and nourish your digestive tract afterwards. However, being aware of something like sucralose, reading those labels and getting that out of there is an unnecessary reason to be wiping out that microvilli. I mean, if you if you really are in a state where you need an antibiotic, then by all means take it and afterwards start drinking aloe vera juice that comes from the inner leaf of the aloe vera to help grow and restore and replenish and heal that digestive tract. But don't let something like sucralose be coming in regularly in your diet, continually wearing down your um, stomach lining. That That's definitely not worth it. Aluminum is a neurotoxin. This is a lot of the reason why people have been switching over from using deodorants that have aluminum in them. Mercury, so obviously you want to be aware of what fish products you're getting. Some vaccines have mercury in them and um, silver fillings can have mercury in them. Mercury is actually one of the most toxic neurotoxin and it will easily destroy brain tissue. So that's something you want to definitely stay away from. I think most of the population is aware of that. Fluoride is a neurotoxin, and this is another reason why a lot of people have been switching away from um, toothpaste with fluoride in it, but you'll want to be aware of the amount of fluoride in your water. That's actually probably a bigger percentage of fluoride that may be coming into your body or even into the body of your loved ones would be through your water intake and the amount of fluoride that has been added to the water. This is just, just a few statistics that I wanted to share. 
but um, there have been 53 different studies that have been done that have linked fluoride um, in children with reduced IQ, um, and many children now exceed the recommended daily fluoride intake just from toothpaste alone. And one thing that I thought was interesting too is that um, the little fluoride packets that that have been handed out for a long time, those were actually never even approved by the FDA, but they've been prescribed and handed out for over 50 years, which is really interesting to me. But anyway, and a whole other reason for us to really take our stewardship over our body seriously, because we can't guarantee that anyone else is watching out for it, except for God. So follow the promptings you get from the Holy Ghost in, the con in your conscience about what you need to do to take care of your body. Hydrolyzed vegetable protein is another neurotoxin. This is also found in junk food and a lot of the um, salty snack foods. Calcium caseinate is a neurotoxin, and this is found in protein supplements, energy bars. So you'll want to check your labels on those things. Sodium caseinate is a neurotoxin, and it's common in dairy products and different snack foods and junk food. And it has been linked to autism and GI problems. The final neurotoxin that I was going to share with you is yeast extract, and that is found in processed food, like canned food, and it's toxic to the brain. In order for our brain to really function it optimally, we need to be giving it the very things that it needs to thrive. And um, so providing it with omega-3s, choline, lutein, flavonoids, vitamin E, carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, let me say that, something that's not going to be turned to sugar super fast in our in our body, but also with those complex carbohydrates is preparing them the correct way. Um, there are a lot of lectins on the outer hull of grains and being able to put them through a process where some of those lectins are broken down like a sourdough type process um, actually enables us to get far more benefit from those carbohydrates without any of the negative impacts of the lectins. Um, the other foods that really bless and strengthen and nourish our brain are probiotic rich foods and anytime that we are taking in foods that are probiotic rich we also want to include prebiotic rich foods and that's fiber really those little probiotics that come in through our digestive tract they thrive on being able to eat fiber and that's what they live off of so if we're putting in foods that are that are not nourishing those little critters in there for us then they're essentially going to starve and we don't get the benefits and blessing of what they can offer our body as well so having those probiotic rich foods and prebiotic rich foods exercising helps with the growth of new brain cells and not only new brain cells but new um, neural connections within the brain so if we have maybe we have some habits or we have some temptations that have been hard for us to overcome or we have old thought patterns that we want to that we want to remove and we want to change those connections or sever some connections remove some connections that are unhealthy and create new healthier connections incorporating exercise regularly into our lifestyle and doesn't have to just be exercise but physical activity find what you love really make exercise fun again the way that we used to like wait and wait for recess when we were little kids so we could run outside and climb and play and run and um and now we have to like force ourselves as adults to do that and i think it's because we have we have some incorrect 
neural connections going on in our brain about what exercise is and what physical activity is and finding something that you love that is so fun to you and enjoyable to you is really a key factor here if you find that you're dreading exercise um, then it may be that you have an incorrect idea about what it is. You may view exercise as an hour at the gym, an hour on the treadmill, or a half hour on the treadmill, or a 15-minute video. If, if that gives you a feeling of annoyance and dread and you're not excited to do that, then that's a sign that that's not the right method for you to be using. So think about what physical activities do bring you enjoyment and start incorporating that into your lifestyle and let it let exercise be something that is very enjoyable to you and i only really exercise a couple times a week and then the other times that i get activity are the things that i love the days that i really exercise are the days that i'm filming fitness videos which i which i love i really enjoy group fitness but i have so much more fun when it's in a group setting and but the things that i love are being outside gardening yard work hiking, backpacking. I love those things. Playing playing soccer with my family, playing volleyball in the backyard with my family, swimming. I love those things. So incorporating those things into my life regularly, it brings me a lot of enjoyment and it's never a feeling of dread. It's actually, hey, I have some open time. I want to squeeze this in because it's something that I love. So find what you love that's physical activity. They have also found that your brain receives more health benefits if you are doing an activity that actually requires the brain to be working during that activity. So let's say like a dancing routine where you have to be following certain choreography. So you're trying to figure it out in your mind as you have your body do it. Your brain is going to really benefit from that exercise far more than something like if you just jump on a treadmill and you don't have to think about, think about the next step. So if you're finding that the treadmill seems kind of boring or you're dreading it, find something that's challenging to you mentally and physically and take that on and um, try it and see if you see if you can find what you love and make exercise your thing do it your way so it's something that you are getting real benefit from not something you're dreading but you're getting real benefit emotionally physically spiritually mentally all of these different ways it's something that's blessing you so those are the impacts that physical activity have on our brain but now we're going to talk about, and this is kind of incorporates why I was saying that if you take on a physical activity where you have to engage your brain at the same time, you get more benefits from it. The way we exercise our brain is by having our brain be actively engaged in thinking and working on something. So when we study and think, trying to work out a problem or, or understand something, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be reading a book or taking a class. It could be that maybe maybe a situation came up at work or in your family and you really want to take the time to think through and understand and clearly identify correct principles or incorrect principles and how to work out the problem correctly. When we go through that thought work, um, that is exercise for our brain. So don't shy away from those experiences. Those are actually invitations in all these experiences that we're having in life. They're invitations to really put our mind to work give our mind some good exercise to start thinking through, sorting through, identifying truth, removing what is false. And that keeps your mind keen, that keeps your mind sharp, and that keeps your mind healthy. 
The final thing we're going to talk about is making time to relax and rest the mind. And um, I wanted to incorporate breathing here because just like when we physic when we engage in physical activity or exercise, we're bringing in oxygenated blood to the brain. When we take time to stop and relax and rest the mind, that might mean that just like you just exercise the mind by working through problems and thinking or stretching stretching yourself with something new that you're learning, when you take time away from that to rest the mind, and this might be just watching a video or something, or it might just be laying down and resting, meditating. This is time when you give your mind a break, when you don't think about what the next to-do list is. And I have found sometimes um, at the end of the day, I might be tempted to think, oh, I've got a few more minutes. I'm going to pull over this other nutrition book I was reading, and I'm going to fit in a few more minutes. But if I have a little bit of a feeling like, almost like that's more work, then I know that my brain has already been worked. (laughs) And I know that what it needs is it needs a rest, it needs a break. And another thing that's great to do during that time where you relax and rest your mind, obviously getting enough sleep, but that's a good time to focus on your breathing. Breathe in, get some good, nice, fresh oxygen to your brain. And as you focus on on breathing, different breathing techniques, and you can look some up online and and we'll share some as we go throughout our body stewardship program as well. But when you focus on that breathing and you reoxygenate the the brain, it allows that brain from whatever work or demand it's had during the day to heal, to strengthen, and um, to be healthy, really. In our nervous system, we have the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And that sympathetic nervous system is what is in charge of stimulating and activating that fight or flight response, that feeling we get when we have high level of stress. But we want to get to the point where that parasympathetic nervous system is coming forth and really working. So we want to activate that and deep breathing is what will allow us to activate that. So this is really helpful to our nervous system. It will calm our nervous system and any time throughout the day when we recognize those high levels of stress, that's a good time to stop and do a little bit of deep breathing and turn off that fight or flight response and turn on that parasympathetic nervous system so that you can be in a calm state to make decisions and a calm state to handle problems. In order to function properly, the brain requires a great deal of oxygen. So if we're breathing in a stressful um, or anxious state, we're going to be doing some really shallow breathing. But focusing on our breathing and intentionally bringing in more oxygen to get to the brain really puts us in that calmer state. It gives the brain what it needs so we can actually think through and work through whatever problem we're faced with. And we can do it with more focus and concentration And even our memory is going to work better, but it's going to really enhance the ability of our mind to make a a correct decision. Getting the brain in that state allows us to kind of stop and overcome any negative thought patterns that might be a habit for us. So as soon as we start recognizing this, this feeling of anxiety well up inside of us, if we stop right then and stop deep breathing, give the brain some oxygen, we're actually stopping some of those connections in the brain that have been a constant habit and we're going to stop and we're going to reroute those. So use that deep breathing as an opportunity to really bless and help your brain and your mind work through some of the problems that you encounter through your days, through your daily life. 
You've probably noticed now in Lyft that we use formulas, and those formulas are really just simple ways that we can look and see, okay, if this is the outcome that I'm desiring, what do I need to do to be able to achieve that outcome? And so there's a simple formula that will show you what to put into place to achieve that result. And um, I love it because this is really what God does, only he does it on a far more intelligent and wise scale than what we've been able to to do yet. But I wanted to share this formula right here. This is Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 124. And he says, retire to thy bed early. So now you can make this own little formula in your mind that you see yourself getting in bed and, and there's a window. So you see this little person getting in a bed and there's a window right to the side and you can see that the sun is just going down. So it hasn't been down for a long, long time. It's just going down. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different in the winter in in Idaho when it can get dark at 5 p.m. But so I want you to visualize this sun going down and we're retiring to our bed early. And then it says that you may not be weary. So being able to retire to our beds early will bless us so we're not weary. We're not tired. And now I want you to picture through that that same window, here's this person that's been sleeping. They went to bed early. They've slept all night long. And now there's these little rays that are just starting to show. The sun hasn't come up yet, but the morning is coming. And it says, arise early. So here's this person that's going to get up early. That your bodies and your minds may be invigorated. And the meaning of invigorated is to have strength or energy. So here's this formula that we have. If we want to have strength, and energy, we retire to our bed early, and we arise early, and we receive the blessings that are attached. That's a perfect formula right there. I do want to just say for all of those mothers that are out there who have newborn babies <laughs> and kids that are sick in the night, don't be afraid to take a nap, and don't be afraid to ask for help. If I could go back to myself, um, at that point in time when I had just little babies and I was so sleep deprived, I would have really voiced my needs. When I was in that stage, I had this incorrect idea and I now recognize it very clearly as being an incorrect idea that was in my mind. But I wish at that point in time I would have known. And the only way that I do know now that it was an incorrect idea or an incorrect belief is because I paid the price of believing that idea. I, I paid the the consequence and dealt with those consequences because of it. But um, but I had this belief in my mind that I needed to handle everything on my own. I needed to be tough. I needed to not complain because it wasn't right to complain, right? That was the thought that I had. <laughs> and um, And that often kept me from actually even really recognizing my true needs or even voicing what my true needs were. And so if I could go back and give myself advice for that season of life when I had new babies and little toddlers, I would go back and I would say, voice your concern, voice what you need to, talk to your husband, let him know that you need two nights a week where you're you're off duty by 8 p.m. and you get to go to bed and you get to catch up on some of the rest because you'll be up at, at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. feeding baby. And um, if I could go back in time, I would have voiced my needs. And and not everyone necessarily has a husband or has a schedule when when they can count on those things. But I would have definitely 
done what I could have done to, whether it was hired a babysitter, asked a friend for help. If you're feeling like you have needs that are not being met, don't be afraid to voice your own concerns. I have found that so much of us having a healthy mind, a healthy, bo- a healthy body, and a healthy spirit is about being honest about what our real needs are and then meeting those needs. And I promise you that there are people who love you and who want to help, who want to who want to be that help. And, and even if I looked back now, I think if I had just been honest with my husband, he would have stepped back and recognized, whoa, you're, you're kind of running on empty, aren't you? <laughs> but I ran on empty for a lot of years. But it's taken me a long time to learn that that's part of my responsibility as a steward over my own mind, spirit, and body is to recognize and meet those needs and to be willing to have a voice and stand up for what I need when I need it. Thankful for God, how good he is to us, all these blessings that he's willing to give us if we're willing to be obedient. And it's up to us. We get to choose just like Daniel, if this is the direction we want to go. And um, like I said earlier, all of those seasons are going to be custom and different to where we live. And it's going to be up to us to identify how we implement them. But I promise there are great spiritual, physical, and intellectual blessings to be had if we purpose within our hearts and then act in obedience.